0: Romans 14, if you will. We're going to come one more time here and look at this issue of the judgment seat of Christ, and uh, which is where we're at in Romans 14, verse number 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I have, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And again, the issue here of the weaker, the relationship between the weaker and the stronger believer and that issue of what Paul is getting at here by even bringing up the issue of the judgment seat of Christ is this issue here of you have no right to judge one another? You don't, you do not have the right, the capacity, the to sit in judgment of a weaker brother or of a stronger brother. So he brings it up. And we've been looking at the issue here of the judgment seat. We saw when it would take place there in 1 Thessalonians 4. We saw that issue there of uh, at the rapture uh, the the day if you come over to first Corinthians chapter 4 just kinda remind ourselves here first Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 5 therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come and that's again for us the end of the dispensation of grace we call it the rapture Uh, first second Thessalonians 2 he calls it our gathering together and when we looked at that issue, that that's when the judgment seat of Christ will take place. It's not the great white throne judgment. It's not the millennial kingdom. It's not the second coming. It's not when he judges the nations there in Matthew 25 as they go into the millennial kingdom. It's, it's something that 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. It's, it's our day. It's the day when the Lord comes back for his body. And we, we look through all of that. And again, it, the judgment seat of Christ has to do with the, the church, the body of Christ, the ending of the dispensation of grace. And come over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And the where we were last time is the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ. The ultimate goal of it is to evaluate the quality of your edification. And I just want to get some of those details kind of ironed out, worked out for us this morning, and just kind of get an idea here of uh, some of those things, really hopefully reminders. We've studied this uh, very extensively over the years, 1 Timothy 4, if you will. So the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ, it has nothing to do with sin, okay? Uh, you got First Timothy four. Run, run back with me to second Corinthians five. <clears throat> Let me just make this uh, for you. If Second Cal- Corinthians chapter five, when you and I trusted the shed blood, the finished work of Calvary, that took care of all of our sin and our sins, okay? The root and the pro- and the fruit. And it took care of past, present, and future. So, if the judgment seat of Christ has to do with your sins, then Calvary was not enough. Okay? But yet it is enough. If you look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, he says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, we have righteousness, the righteousness of God where? In Christ. And that's a complete thing. That's a done thing. Um, and if it isn't a done thing, then we're we're in trouble, because now you now your activity is being in play, and now we're now we're not in grace anymore, and His grace. But if you will look back up at verse ten, for we must all appear. Verse nine: Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, as we go along this morning, that thing about being done in his body, not by his body, not with your body, but in your inner man. That building of that edifice, that edification, okay? Okay? Whether it's good, they'll be the gold, silver, precious stones, or bad, the wood, hay, and stubble. And we'll see that in just a minute. But watch verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart now you see in verse 11 where he says knowing therefore the terror of the Lord people use that to say see the judgment seat of Christ is going to be the terror of the Lord and the issue of the judgment seat of Christ is he's going to make manifest 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 those hidden counsels of the heart he's going to go in there and find the hidden sin that you have in your life but wait a minute Calvary paid for that sin there is no hidden sin in your life now let me ask you something do we understand the terror of the Lord yeah we do do we not understand 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 where he's going to come back in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God but notice who Paul is talking about here in first in 2nd Corinthians 5 because in verse, the end of verse 10 is a period. So we have a change of thought here, verse 12, 11. But look at verse 12, the end of the verse, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory, where? In appearance and not in the heart. You see, the people that are going to have the terror of the Lord are those that aren't doing what? Where they're supposed to be, Okay. Now, you could say the terror of the Lord could also be the fire, but that's not how people use it, okay? Those that want to use and say the judgment seat of Christ is a bad thing, use that terror. So don't think, now come to 1 Timothy 4. Don't let the issue of the judgment seat of Christ be an issue that of, of terror, of fear, because it isn't. It'll be a glorious day, it'll be a wonderful day, it'll be a day of rejoicing, it'll be where every man will have praise of God in the end. And it's it's something that you and I can understand, and then we can take now in time, and we can look to check ourselves. Paul says, examine yourself and look at yourself and say, hey, am I doing, am I building the proper edifice, the proper edification? And you can kind of self-check yourself. If you look at 1 Timothy 4, <coughs> verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So there's this issue of godliness, and godliness has a profitability to it. But it has a profitability of life now and in that life out there to come. So as we come across here and as we're living our life, And as we begin to build into our uh, inner man this edification process that we're to have, and that issue is going to bring us to godliness, god-likeness, a godliness. And when we do that, we can bring into the details of life now as we live. That will then impact out over here at the judgment seat of Christ— When we meet the Lord in the air, which then is going to impact out here into the heavenly places. And what's going to happen here, come over to Colossians chapter 1. So that benefit, our edification process, our edification, it has a benefit now in time, but it also has an eternal benefit in the the, to come, in the ages to come out there. That's why Paul in Colossians 1, verse 21, Colossians 1, 21, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. See this, there's, there's the day, there's the judgment seat of Christ to present you, how? Holy and unblamable and unreprovable in his sight to present us the goal here is to put his glorified body on display and when he and he's going to do that out in the heavenly places and there's a process here and we can come in now and we can learn how that's going to work how that's going to function how that's going to move forward okay and again, if you come back to, on your way back uh, to 1 Corinthians 3, stop at Ephesians 3. <clears throat> Ephesians 3. If you look there at verse 17, a verse that I've come to really enjoy, and hopefully you have too, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ? See what you can comprehend? You're to comprehend this. You're to understand this. But not just that verse where Paul says, knowledge puffeth up, but what? Charity edifieth. It's not enough to know the verses. See, we all know verses. We can quote them. But you've got to go live them. See, charity, love in action, working, doing. See, charity is more than just giving on Turkey Tuesday, okay? That's not really charity in Scripture anyway. But charity, knowledge puffeth up. We can all have the book. Well, Rick, I'm doing the verses. No, you're not doing the verses. <laughs> you know the verses. Let's go live the verses, see? First Corinthians chapter 3. And that's really this morning, <coughs> for as long as I can talk, <coughs> we will uh, look at here and, and try to go down through. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, and let, we're just going to go back in here and pick up some of these details so that you're able to comprehend, see what's happening here. As we, uh, and then we're going to go and run over back to Romans 14 and see why and what's happening at the judgment seat, and why he's doing it there in in Romans 14. So when you think about the judgment seat of Christ, okay, the first thing that's reviewed is our edification. The second issue is going to be our service. Then the third issue is going to be our suffering, okay? So those are going to be what's reviewed Watch it here. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. For we are labors together with God, year God's husbandry, year God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another, another buildeth thereon. Now, notice that very carefully. What does Paul say? I've laid the blueprint, I got the blueprint. So, Paul's gospel, Paul's epistles, Romans to Philemon is going to be the blueprint. That's the blueprint. There's the, there's the code that we're going to work by, okay? We're, we're working on trying to get the permit for the city, and the city has said, hey, we need a little bit more here. They can't just rubber stamp anything. You know, they have to, they have to uh, <coughs> uh, what do you call it, when uh, justify their existence. Okay, they can't just say good to go. So now it's this and that. Well, you know, so the drawing was had a foot off. Well, you got to change the drawing. It's a foot off. Why can't you just say it's a foot off? No, you got to go through the whole process. Why? Well, here's the blueprint. Here's the code. See, what he says? Hey, I'm going to lay the foundation and another build thereon, but let every man take heed how he build thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ, the work of edification. If you look there at verse 13, every man's work, and again I remind you, it's singular. It's not a plural thing. It's not out doing a bunch of works. It's going to be the work of edification, the work of service, the work of suffer. It's this it's a work here. We've got the blueprint. Okay? We're building and it's a work of edification where we deliberately, by faith, choose to build into our inner man the foundation, the blueprint, the grace. According Verse 10, according to the grace of God, we're going to build in, I call it the grace life. We're going to build in the body life. That's what we're doing in Romans 14 is body life. We're going to do this. We're going to build it in, and then we're going to go and live by it. So what does he say, verse 12? Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. All right? So we have gold. We have silver, right? We have wood. I'm sorry. Nope. (coughs) You guys got to yell louder because I can't hear you. Okay, we've got precious stones, right? We've got wood, we've got hay, and we have stubble. All right? Those six items you are going to build. You're not going to get away from it. That's what verse 12 just says. It doesn't say if any man build upon this foundation, hopefully gold, silver, precious stones, and not wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't say that at all. It says you're going to build it. Well, what are these items then? That's the question. Cuz Paul is using some terminology here to paint pictures. When you think about gold, silver and precious stones, what do you think about? Big big quantity or little quantity? Little quantity but of what? Great value. Okay? Linda's birthday was this past weekend and she wanted a she wants some jewelry. And which is a shock because my wife usually doesn't. So, well, as soon as we get feeling better, we're going to go get the, the, what she wants. But what it, it's a little thing, but it's not cheap. Okay? When you think about wood, hay, and stubble, what do you think about? Big quantity. By the way, wood ain't cheap anymore. Have you guys seen a piece of plywood? <coughs> I, it's almost as much as the ring. <laughs> it's like, holy cow, man. <clears throat> I went in uh, to Lowe's and was I, was, I had to, I needed a piece of quarter inch, just little, but I needed three by three, 36 inches. They only have four by fours, you know. So I had to get it, but it was like 30 bucks. I'm like, wait I, what? You know, You gotta be nuts. But then I went over and looked at a full sheet of three quarter you know plywood. <laughs> it was 80. dollars I'm like, "Nah, I think I'll go get the little, you know, whoops is right." It was like, "Oh man." So, but the thing is is when you think about wood hay and stubble, a truckload of hay, how much is hay? A lot now. <clears throat> what, 20 bucks? A bale? 25, 20, no way. Wow. Okay. For a bale of hay, well maybe this illustration isn't going to work then. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But okay, what what was the cheapest you've ever paid for hay? One dollar? Three dollars. Okay, I like the three dollars. All right? Fifty cents in Iowa. Well, that's because you got the truck right down the street. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is you think about that truckload of hay, see, for twenty-something dollars. But what happens if you put a match to it? It's gone. But if you take gold and silver and precious stones and put a match to it, what did you do? It's not gone. You've just purified it. So what do we have here? We have big value, small quantity, big value. Big quantity, little to no value. Okay? So then what are we talking about here? Well, come back with me to Proverbs 16. Your Bible Actually, I should be more specific. Your King James Bible is the greatest textbook on types and pictures and symbols ever made, ever written. Because all you got to do is go do a little study, and you begin to find answers to what some of this is. Proverbs 16, look, if you will, at verse 16. How much better is it to get what? Wisdom, then what? Then gold. How much, and to get understanding rather than what? Then silver. Do you see what the gold, what is gold? Wisdom. What is silver? Understanding. Come over to chapter 20 of Proverbs. <clears throat> Chapter 20. You see, we're not talking about out-soul winning, are we? We're not talking about anything that religion pumps down the pipeline. What are we talking about? Wisdom, understanding. Chapter 20 and verse number 15. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of what? What? Knowledge, isn't that interesting, are a precious jewel. So what do we learn real quick here as we begin to think about this and as we begin to, okay, what are we building here? We're not talking about building campuses and buildings. We're not talking about building big churches or anything like that. What are we talking about? We're talking about an edification process, aren't we? We're talking about Romans the Philemon, aren't we? As I not only build it in, learn it, but then now what am I going to go do? I'm going to go serve, I'm going to go live it. You, you see what's happening here? We're not, we're, so we're out of this I've got to do mentality. See? We're into this, hey, am I on the right track? Am I getting the proper wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? Now, come over to Isaiah 45. And the wood, hay, and stubble, you can, there's a lot of different ways you can do wood, hay, and stubble through the scriptures. And <coughs> I'll be honest with you, it's, it, you're probably good to go um, in, in any of it. Um, Hang on a second here. I told you, Isaiah 45, okay? Isaiah 45, look, if you will, at verse 20. Isaiah 45, 20. Assemble yourselves and come draw near together. Ye that are escaped of the nations, they have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. What is the one thing that God hates throughout Scripture? Baal worship, idol worship, graven images. What's the wood connected to there? The wood of their graven image. So what do we have? We have religion, don't we? we have human viewpoint human effort don't we we have i'm going to do it my way the great i am clause of isaiah 14 what would it, the wood of the graven image look over at isaiah 15 isaiah 15 and again you can you can do i mean you can go to genesis you can go to jeremiah you can go all over about the issue of wood, in Jeremiah, the uh, Isaiah 15. In Jeremiah, they have uh, a uh, wonderful thing about the Christmas tree and the wood. Well, we, what we call a Christmas tree, but really it's a tree decked with and everything, and but it's a great. It's wood. It's a graven image, and it's something that the heathen bow down to and worship. See. So again, you can do a lot of things. Now I just I don't have anything against the Christmas tree, okay? So, but when you read it, you go, hmm, that's what it looks like, and that's what it is. But uh, anyway, I saw anyway Isaiah 15. I've watched a lot of TV being sick, and I don't know if necessarily know if that's a good thing or not. And Linda's like, why don't you read? I can't see. I got new glasses. Picked up my glasses Tuesday. I'm like, all right, boom. What with this this headache or this head fog or brain fog or whatever you can't read I'm like frustrated so put the book down you know Isaiah 15 look if you will at verse number six for the waters of Nimrim shall be desolate for the hay is withered away the gray the grass faileth there is no green thing if the hay withers away what is that it's temporary. It's not lasting. It's the fleeting glory of human viewpoint. It's the fleeting glory of religion. It's temporary, isn't it? Hey, it's gone. Here today, gone tomorrow. Come over to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5 exodus 5 so when I think about wood hay and stubble I think about religion and human effort and the goal of, of doing it my way what it God, what's God's way wisdom knowledge and under, wisdom understanding and knowledge what's my way human effort what is it? it's temporary isn't it here today gone tomorrow you know it's amazing to me when I hear people and they do the genealogy and I go to so-and-so's church and then yet, you know, real quickly they forget who, and, they, and, and as people pass away, their legacy, and it gets moved away, you know, it's like, why? It's fleeting. Exodus 5, look at verse 10. Now, this is Pharaoh with Egypt Okay, and he's increasing their burdens. Verse 10, And a taskmaster of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get your straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather what? Stubble instead of straw. What what did they need the straw for? Making the mortar, make the bricks do. So what did they what are they out looking for? Straw. But what did they find? Stubble. It's a weak substitute, isn't it? It's a cheap substitute for the real deal. What's the real deal? Straw. What are they out looking for? Stubble. What is religion? It's a weak cheap substitute. In Galatians Paul calls it weak and beggarly elements. It's weak. It's it's not real. So Paul tells us come back to 1 Corinthians 3. You're going to build in, you will build into your inner man these six items. That's what's going to happen. Now, whether you build more of one or the other is whose choice? Your choice. There's where the accountability comes in. There's where the giving an account comes in. What did you do? Remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. We took two weeks looking at it. What did we see? We saw he's going to manifest. He's going to expose. He's going to do some things, and that's what we're talking about. Now, come over to Ephesians 1, and just watch Paul here. Ephesians 1. Because Paul tells us what we're to be built, Where should we be focused in on. Well, Ephesians 1, look, if you will, at verse uh, 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what, wisdom, and the revelation in the knowledge of Him, that your that uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You see how we have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Not- notice when Paul talks about prayer and how the mature believer is to pray, what are we praying for? I want some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding here. Why? That, verse 18, ye may, what? Know. How am I to know what the hope of his calling is? How am I to know what the the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? How am I to know what that exceeding power is unless I have what? Uh, Knowledge, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. If I don't have that, I can't know. And if I can't know it, if I don't know it, then guess what I can't do? I can't go serve. I can't go suffer. Okay? You follow that? See how he's doing that? Come over to Colossians 1. By the way, Ephesians 1 is the first of five prayers. Colossians 1 is the last of the five prayers. There's a prayer in Ephesians 3. There's a prayer in Philippians 1 and Philippians 4 and now here in Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Why? That ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. What are we doing here? We're building into our inner man wisdom, knowledge, understanding, gold, silver, precious stones. Why? That we can go do what? We can go serve and we can live a life that is going to be well pleasing to the Lord. So we can go and do the things that we're learning to do. Again, it's not enough just to know the verses. Some of you guys love. I know the verses. That's not enough. You have to go live the verses. Apply the verses to the details. That's why, um, go back to 1 Corinthians 3. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, what does he say there? Hey, the things that he's done in his body, building in that edifice of sound doctrine being built into our inner man. It has an impact on our life now, and it has an impact on our life in the future. That's what we're talking about. And what the judgment seat of Christ does is it reviews that edifice. It reviews, if you think about this being your inner man, here's your soul, here's your inner man, this being built up in your inner man. Okay, first, uh, I told you first Corinthians 3, right? Run real quick over to Acts 20. <clears throat> I'm getting the cobwebs out of the, the upper thought process here. Look at Acts 20. Paul's been meeting with the elders of, at, of Ephesus, Acts 20, verse 32. He's leaving them. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. What's going to build them up? The word of his grace. Romans the Philemon, in our case, for, for us. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 3, this review here isn't one of sin. It's rather of one of, okay, what'd you do? What did you build in? Did you build in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? Or did you build in the religious system out there that God's called dead? You know, I mean, you go look at Galatians and he looks at those Galatians and he goes, man, you guys, you're, you've been bewitched. You think you're better now by the works of the flesh than by, and who did this to you? You guys have raised the dead here. <clears throat> I'm probably getting ahead of myself. First Corinthians three, verse twelve. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, again, that those issues of <laughs> those issues of edification. If you hold on to there and run over to 2 Timothy 2, in verse 20. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. A little verse snuck in here. <clears throat> Think about this verse. 2 Timothy 2, 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to Dishonor. Isn't that an interesting verse? What would be the honor? Gold, silver, precious stone. What would be the dishonor? Wood, hay, and stubble. See that? So come back to First Corinthians three. So when you think about this issue about what are we doing here, he's not talking about how many souls did you save, how much did you give to church, which we're at the end of the year, so you might be thinking about that. How much this? How much that? He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about, did you take the doctrine into your inner man and then go live that doctrine? 1 Corinthians 3. Now watch verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Notice it, shall be made, not maybe me made. It's what? It's going to be. You may not like the doctrine of the judgment seat of Christ. You may say it's a bunch of hooey. You may say and reject it completely. You may say, Rick, you're talking out of your left ear and all this stuff. But what's that verse say? It's going to happen. So why rebel against it? Why not look at it and say, I can understand it. Get an idea of maybe what I ought to be guarding against. You remember in 1 Corinthians 6 when he, when or uh, (coughs) I say 1 Corinthians 6. I better make sure it's, it's 2 Corinthians 6. And he lays out all that what what fellowship hath the believer with un, with uh, Belial, what the communion, all that list there. You know, don't be unequally yoked. What's the warning? Constantly by Paul, stay away from the religion. That stuff's dead. Get up, stay up where you belong. Okay. Sound doctrine. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire. The fire is a source of salvation here. The fire is going to define the Quality of material you have been building into your inner man. So then what is the fire, right? That's what everybody wants to know. Well, come over to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah, well, get Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse number 29. Jeremiah 23, 29. Twenty-eight. Verse 28, the prophet that had a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like as a fire? In chapter 20 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah will say and make the proclamation in verse number 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with, with forbearing, and I could not stay. What a proclamation by Jeremiah, who just said, "I ain't never talking about God ever again," and it just couldn't happen. Okay, so when you when you come back to one Corinthians three, what's gonna who's doing the trying? Not you, but who? The word of God. Now, who's the Word? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the judge? The Lord Jesus Christ. You see? how? So when you begin to look at this, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's who's the ultimate judge here? None of us. Romans 14, knock it off. You don't do that. That's not your right to do that. By the way, it's sort. Quality. High value. What would be the high value? Gold, silver, precious stones. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. What's low value? The wood, ha- That human effort, the human religion, the human viewpoint, the philosophies and the traditions of the, ma- of the world and the rudiments of the world. All that. Get rid of all that stuff. You don't need it. It's, it's worthless. But yet, do we all have it? Yeah, we do. And, and, and the fire, the word, will come in and take care of that. Then he talks here about a reward. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now think about that. It doesn't say rewards or crowns. It says what? A reward. So come over to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, where we were just at. Ephesians 1. Actually, go to Colossians 3. Let's go there first. <coughs> Colossians 3, verse 24. Colossians 3, 24. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Is there a reward of the inheritance? That we're what is the reward? It's the inheritance. What are we inheriting? Well, the eternal life, heirs of God, but joint heirs of who? Christ. So we're inheriting the heavenly places. Because what, what is given to him? The heavenly places. We're seated with him in heavenly places. So the reward, come over to Philippians 3. Working backwards, obviously. Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verse 2. 20 and 21 you see the reward here it isn't that I'm gonna be higher than you because I did this and you didn't the reward is based upon the capacity of your inner man to service what have you been doing here what's the fire gonna do the fire is gonna take away the wood hay and stubble it's gonna take away out of your inner man this stuff it's gonna burn it up okay and what's left standing is what you did with the edification process. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to have the praise of God at the end. You're not going to sit there and go, oh, no, I should have had it more. No, you're not going to do that at all. By the way, you know what that's called? It's called pride. What did Calvary take care of? Pride. You're not going to be standing there going boo-hooing. You're going to be getting there going what? "Woohoo! praise the Lord, rejoice evermore. Woo, all right. Get it, Lord, get it, because I can't do it. You can't, see, that's the thing in Romans 14. You can't kill that stuff. Only he can, Say, Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able, now watch, even to subdue all things unto him self, and the all things are those thrones principalities powers mights dominions every other name that's named so the reward is the position of the government in the heavenly places that the father is going to use you and I to fill up that governmental structure so the judgment seat of Christ Is not a bad thing. It's not a terror of the Lord. It's a wonderful day, part of his day, where he's going to reveal the capacity of your inner man, that edification process, but he's going to do it. Who do we serve? Remember that verse? We just read it in Colossians 3. Come on. For ye serve who? Who do we serve? The Lord Christ that's who we serve it's interesting by the way it's not the Lord Jesus Christ it's the Lord Christ Jesus is his earthly man his his human name we don't serve him as a human we serve him as a what as risen as a new creature as a new humanity if you will it's very interesting anyway so the judgment seat of Christ, first of all, come over to Mark 10. We serve the Lord. But I want, just look at something here in Mark 10 real quick. <coughs> so the first thing is the issue of our edification. Are we building in gold, silver, and precious stones? And again, I'm going to tell you, it's more than just knowing the verses. It's more than just knowing that Paul's our apostle and we go to Romans to Philemon because now we're going to move into the, ish, the areas of suffering and service. Because what's going to happen is, is what is godliness? It is profitable now in time and in the to come. So if it's going to be profitable now, then what do I got to go do? I got to go do what? I got to go live it. And in my living, what am I going to do? I'm going to serve, and I'm going to suffer. Okay? Look at Mark 10. Mark 10 here, verse 42. James and John have come. They use mom. They want to sit on his right and left hand, and the Lord's rebuking them and getting on them. But I just want you to notice what the Lord says in verse 42 and following. But Jesus called them to him and said unto him, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. So how do the Gentiles rule? They lord over them. They exercise authority. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you Shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. What is the Lord telling the apostles there? In my kingdom, we don't exercise lordship like the Gentiles do. In my kingdom, what's it all about? Service, being a servant. Colossians 3, what do we do? We serve the Lord Christ. So the issue of service. Now, this is where Romans 14 comes in, okay? Because what happens is, well, come over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 6. Oh, that hurts. 1 Timothy 6. The issue is service. Service. So our reign in the heavenly places is going to be that of service. So when he says you're going to don't you know you judge the angels, you got to think about that word judge differently than doing what, lording over them in authority. Okay? It has to do with discernment, it has to do with service. So you got to re, kind of rethink some of this what religion has taught us to think about judgment. Say 1 Timothy 6, look at verse 6. Well, verse 5, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Again, notice that that cry to withdraw from religion. Get out of that stuff. Get away from it. What does religion think? Religion thinks gain is what? Godliness. You give me $1,000, God will give you $10,000. I'm sitting here going, why don't you give me a million and he'll give you 10 million? You know, I could use a million, you know. Actually, I could use about 200K, get out of hawk, right? No, I'm just kidding. Well, not really, but I am. Okay, But see, what, that's what religion says, isn't it? But how are we to think about it? Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. Notice how we're to think about this. Godliness with what? Contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Isn't that interesting? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. Money's not the problem, it's the love of it is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, there you go, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What I want you to see, come over to Philippians 4, is that the issue here is <coughs> godliness is designed to teach us contentment, service, Philippians 4 You just remember Paul, verse 10, "...but I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein we were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That has a context, by the way, of what? Of learning to be content. So we take the sound doctrine. Now, we take the sound doctrine. We learn the sound doctrine. We then take practice it put it into the details of life bring it into our service and that's what Romans 14 is about okay what Romans 14 is about is how are we serving the weaker believer how should we be serving we should be getting them ready for the judgment seat of Christ we should be helpers of their joy see we not be their judge see but be their helper. Now, real quick, we'll get we'll go over there. Look, I'll come over to Second Timothy two. Second Timothy. <coughs> 2 Timothy two. 2 Timothy two. <coughs> Actually, look at 2 Timothy 3, and look at verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, what? Suffer persecution. There's our suffering. Chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. How does he deny you? You suffer a loss. Okay? He doesn't kick you out. How do you know? Next verse. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. (laughs) If you say enough of this, if you're saved and you're in Christ, and you say, you know what, enough of that nonsense, I'm not going to church, I'm not studying, I'm not learning nothing, you know what, it's going to happen at that day, at the the day of redemption, you're going to be there. Why? Because he can't deny himself. See, everybody gets all, what do you mean the murderer is going to be there? Well, if he's in Christ, guess what? What's verse verse 13 say? He cannot deny himself, that guy's going to be there. You know, I always thought it would be an interesting thing if Hitler showed up. If he's in Christ, where's he going to be? Now, I'm not. I don't think he is. But I'm okay based on some of what he believed. But you know, we we sometimes we get this narrow view of everybody's got to walk the line. That verse says no way, man. See, but if we suffer, yea, all those who live godly shall notice all that will live godly will a desire of and a determination come to romans 14 now of you you made a decision to do what take in the wisdom understanding and knowledge take it in build it into your inner man and then take that information that life the life of christ the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I take that life, not I, but Christ. And then I go over here and I live it out in the details of my life. And you know what that is? That's in the form of service and it's in the form of suffering. Because, and again, we don't suffer like a lot of believers suffer around the world. And I get that. He's not, But you know what, though? We do suffer sometimes, don't we? Where we make decisions that we can't do because of what we believe, all right? Now, Romans 14, because what Paul, why Paul brings this issue up here is the stronger believer is to want to prepare the weaker believer for this event, the judgment seat of Christ, service, body life. If you look down at verse 19, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. What are we to focus on? Edifying another. By the way, if you do that, you know what you're going to make? Peace. Say, verse 20. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is the it is evil for the man who eateth with offense. Look at that. For meat. Again, what's the guy been doing? What's the guy worried about? You're eating meat offered to idols. He looks at that and says, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You know better. You're the stronger believer. And yet, what do you continue to do? You continue to eat that meat. What have you just done? You've done evil. See that? You're destroying Christ. You're destroying this work here of edification in this guy. He's not there yet. What should you do? You ought to be thinking about him. What's going to make for peace? All right, I'm not going to have that. And then we're going to sit over here and look at some verses about that Off that meat issue isn't an issue any longer and bring their edification up, help them forward. Chapter 15, 15-2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. To edification. Paul's exhorting us to build in the doctrine. Take the doctrine of grace, the valuable material. Build it into your inner man. Have that proper edification and edifice there. And then come over here and build it into the weaker believer. Don't destroy them. Build them up. Come along here and don't build in the wrong, (laughs) build in the right. Now, one more verse. Look over at Galatians 2. Galatians 2. And just think about this issue about building thing real quick here. And then we're moving on next week, okay? All right? (laughs) In Romans 14. Look at Galatians 2. Look at verse 18. Now think about what's happened in Galatians 2. Him and Titus and Barnabas have been up to Jerusalem. They've had the meeting, Acts 15 event. They've come down. Peter has uh, Paul has withstood Peter to the face because Peter's not operating in knowledge now and understanding and wisdom that he has. Paul is rebuking him. Verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Isn't that interesting? Paul says, if I'm building this edifice here, Of things that I have destroyed now what has Paul destroyed the law verse 19 for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God verse 21 I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law then Christ is dead in vain. If I build again the law into my inner man, you know what I am? I'm a transgressor. I'm evil. I'm sinning. I'm destroying it. I'm frustrating grace. What frustrates grace? What neutralizes grace? What kills grace? The law does. That's why verse 20 sits there. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, don't do verse 18, 19, and 21, do verse 20. (laughs) See? So, back in Romans 14, the stronger is to build into the weaker the sound doctrine. Not hold them to a performance based system of you're not at my level of edification, therefore I'm not going to deal with you. You see, our relationship, the stronger to the weaker, the weaker to the stronger, is well, the stronger to the weaker is to help them get ready for the judgment seat. And that has to do with helping them build a proper edifice. In their inner man that grace life that's why in Colossians 1 Paul's warning and teaching every man presenting every man perfect why because it, there's going to be a day of accountability coming then in verse 14 I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there's nothing unclean of itself but to him that esteem anything to be unclean to him It is unclean and we'll finish out the chapter next time Lord willing okay and the creek don't rise and I know the Lord is willing so you be willing too. okay so the judgment seat of Christ should never be a thing of fear it should never be something that you're worried about it's not a terror event it's actually a wonderful event of discarding the refuse and building up and solidifying that edification structure that edifice of sound doctrine we have in time we take in the doctrine and then we go serve and we go suffer we go live life by the way yea, and all those that will live that is a decision of your inner man that is a decision of your will and you can decide not to you can decide nah I don't need it that's okay that's between you and the Lord okay All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for those that are here and their interest in studying your word and looking into things and seeing them and working them out in our lives. In your name we pray.